All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Very excited to be here. Sorry, I'm distracted. I'm reading all the comments about the Maple Leafs defensive pairings. And it's so just, it's a very polarizing question because the Leafs fans are so passionate about their team. And they obviously didn't play well last night. We're going to touch on that in a little bit. But boy, the people are just so hot and cold on every single player. There's not a consensus of like, this guy has always been good. He's, he's our best guy. It, it's so polarizing. It's like, oh, Muzzin should be out. Hall should be out. Giordano's been our worst defenseman. Giordano's been our best defenseman. He should be QB1. Morgan Riley gets too much playing time because the coach loved him. It is very interesting to see everyone's take on this Toronto Maple Leafs team Heading into the playoffs, especially after last night, Tim. Now, what happened last night? Can you break? Can you break down just the impact? And I'm, I'll touch on it in a little bit. But it's a statement game last night. It's Toronto, Tampa Bay, a likely first round matchup, barring any movement in the last week of the season, which is possible. But as it stands right now. These two are locked in unless Boston goes on, you know, a five-game winning streak and either of these two teams really slows down and goes on a losing streak. What happened last night in Tampa Bay, Tim? Just break it down for us. Just give us the brass tax numbers because it was it was certainly surprising. Would you say shellacking is a good word for it? Oh, it was a beatdown. It was an old school, I'm gonna take you behind the gym and I'm gonna beat you up. Like that's what it was. The shellacking, it it was it was a game. That's what it was. Tell us about it, Tim. Yeah. So eight to one was the final score. Tampa Bay just beat the crap out of uh, Toronto. And I, I do hope, and I think it will be the first round matchup, but there's so much better and so much, so many exciting things to talk about. And even like, even the, the one goal Toronto scored, it was already six, nothing at that point. So it had no impact in the game. It was never close from puck drop. So yeah, this was, this was a total beat down a statement game. Like you said, Tampa letting them know that, Hey, we're still the reigning cup championship. We're still the better team. And if you don't want to play us in the first round, and I think Toronto knows it now, they got to be feeling it a little bit, right? Absolutely. This, this was a litmus test for Toronto. And I know they went in there earlier this month, maybe end of March 
and had a really good Florida Sunshine State road swing where they they played well against Florida, played well against Tampa Bay. I think they blew a lead versus Florida when they were up by three or four goals. But all in all, it was a good trip. And so coming into Tampa Bay last night, they had to be excited. They had to be ready to go because you are, you're going to face this team in a week and a half in the playoffs. And it's not like basketball where you sit guys, rest them up for the playoffs. It's not like football where you don't, you never see these teams all the time. Hockey, you want to send the message. You want, you want to let this team know that you do not have a chance versus us. And this was the Toronto Maple Leafs year. And I'm not going to, you know, pack it in on Toronto all of a sudden say, you know, they're done based on this one game. But it does say a lot. And I know they were missing Austin Matthews. He was out. Tampa Bay was missing Braden Point. So there were some big pieces on both sides missing. But gosh, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're flying out of Tampa Bay this morning and you're licking your wounds, you can't feel good about what just happened. Yes, you didn't play your starting goaltender. You played the back. What? How do you pronounce his name? Calgren, Yalgren, whatever it is. The rookie out of the out of the AHL. You played him. You hung him out to drive for eight goals. Tampa Bay's power play was five for six. They were absolutely lights out. But it was bigger than that. If you watched the game like I did, if you watched how Toronto reacted, the first period was a good. It was a good period. Toronto played well. Tampa Bay played well. It, it was an up and down game. I don't think there was many grade eight chances. I think it was a, it was a pretty tight first period. For whatever reason, Tampa Bay came out in the second period and just dominated from here on out. Toronto was a step behind. Their stars weren't skating. Tampa Bay's guys were on their toes. And I know it's a cliche, but when you see Steven Stamkos, Toronto's on the PK and Stamkos back checks Mitch Marner, who is one of the fastest guys in the NHL, chases him down, strips him of the puck, goes the other way and scores Tampa's first or second goal. You have to start questioning how much do you want it if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And when you see a situation when it's a five-on-five play, I think it was a 3 nothing score, the next goal is absolutely crucial if you're Toronto and the puck goes low to high in the Tampa Bay zone, and it goes to the Tampa defenseman, Nylander's five feet outside the lane. He, he's not even in the shot lane. He gives Sergachev basically an alley-oop to the net, and it gets tipped in. The goaltender has no chance, and it's, and it's a 4 nothing game, and now that's it. The game's over. These are the plays that when we think of the Toronto Maple Leafs, when we think of their playoff runs, when, you think, when we just think of their passion, their will to win, are you going to get in that lane? This arguably was a playoff game. You want to set the tone early. This is a precursor to a week and a half from now where you have to face this exact team. What are you doing if you're Willie Nylander or Mitch Marner? You guys have to be the leaders on this team. Like, I don't know how else you you can say it. You are the Maple Leafs, and especially when Austin Matthews out of the lineup you have to take the next step and, and, and just be that guy. And I don't know if John Tavares played or if he didn't play, but he was absolutely invisible. Absolutely invisible. When you look at the Maple Leafs roster, when you watch that game, I didn't notice Mitch Marner except for negative aspects. I didn't notice Willie Nylander except for negative aspects. John Tavares, I didn't notice him at all. It was absolutely eye-opening how bad this team was. And I'm nervous if I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. 
the defense got exposed. I know they've been playing well of late. I know Giordano's been playing well. He's been playing with Lil Grin. They've, they've been having some success. Brody and Hall have had good numbers. They looked terrible last night. Justin Hall was turning the puck over. He looked slow. He was getting beat wide. TJ Brody, were getting. he was getting triangled where the puck was going through him left and right. They absolutely got exposed. They were getting chased down in the forecheck. Morgan Riley was getting chased by Nick Paul. Nick Paul, who is six foot four, 220 pounds, Morgan Riley should have no, no problem pulling away from this guy. Nick Paul chases him down on a forecheck, throws it in front for, I think, Tampa Bay's second goal. It was not good, Tim. It was not good by any stretch of the word. And if I'm Sheldon Keefe, if I'm these guys on Toronto, I'm, I'm very, very nervous. I do not want to go into the playoffs based on this one result because when you're throwing out your fourth line for the power play in the third period because you're punishing your first and second and third lines because they've just played absolutely terrible the first two periods, or not the first period, the second and third period, there's a problem there. So I, I don't know what they have to do. I don't know whose cages you have to rattle. But boy, oh boy, this is not good. And I was all in on Toronto. I thought they had kind of gotten over that hump. I, I figured they had learned their lesson. Based on yesterday's results, I'm second-guessing myself. I'm second-guessing this Toronto Maple Leafs team. And I, who knows? Maybe it was just a blip on the radar and they had a bad game. Maybe they had a bad travel day. Maybe they were just fighting a bug throughout the room. I don't know. They looked good in the first period. Once they dropped the puck for that second period, it, it was a completely different game. It, it was a, a man versus a boy. It was it was apparent how much better the Tampa Bay Lightning were than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their power play was absolutely buzzing. They were going cross box left and right. Steven Stamkos' goal was just dynamite, by the way. And we'll touch on that. The impact of that goal and how you know he set the, the record for the Tampa Bay Lightning most, most points all time, which is really cool. Is this going to be a f- good first-round matchup? Or is this just going to be a shellacking, like you said? I think it's going to be a great first round matchup because we know that uh, Toronto's better than this. And not only that, but the physicality last night, the the hatred, the rivalries forming. There was 118 penalty minutes in last night's game, which is the most of the entire season. Um, and it's the most since the epic clash between the Rangers and the Capitals last season, the, the Tom Wilson game, the Ryan Reeves, all that. And so not Ryan Reeves, he wasn't there yet, but the Panarin incident. Um, I'm going to play a little bit of a, a counter argument for this game. Is it possible that this game just wasn't that important to Toronto? Because no. you, the mental aspect of it, think about it. Matthews isn't there. We got our backup goalie playing. We're playing a team that we're probably going to play. We don't want to give them our best stuff because we know we don't, we're not going to bring it tonight because, because of the backup goalie, the best player is missing. Pitchers don't throw their best stuff during warmups, right? They save it for the real thing. So is it possible that this just like mentally, that just wasn't that important to them? Absolutely not. There's not a chance in the world that that's even a thing. As a hockey player, you can't just not play your best. You know what I mean? There's no way to go out there and just be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to play my best today. That's not in your makeup. You can't do that. You can't like, especially as like you're, you, you do the same forecheck. You, you, you have the same power play. You have the same just systems throughout the game. You can't just all of a sudden say, you know what? We're going to do something different tonight. This is a big game. Anytime you play the Tampa Bay Lightning, anytime you play a team that you're expected to play in the playoffs, you want to send the message. Why on earth? I know you're playing counter argument. Maybe you don't believe that, but what good does this do? Does this just give Tampa Bay that much more confidence going into the playoffs? We just beat this team eight to one. It gives them so much more confidence going into the playoffs now. 
Well, I, I I don't think it was a conscious thing is my point, but like maybe because you know, like in the back of your head, we're missing our best guy, our backup goaltender. There's probably some other things we're traveling and maybe they just, you don't bring your knee all the way down to block that shot. Maybe you don't finish that hit. Maybe you try to make an extra pass and all these little things are kind of nibbling at your mind and you don't, you don't play your best game. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's possible that they, I don't know. No, it's not because then you start building bad habits and it, it's ne- a coach has never said that to a team ever in a million years in the NHL that I have ever heard of saying, you know what? Don't play your best tonight. Don't I'm not finish saying that check. anyone made that decision last night. I'm just saying that was in their mind. And so they didn't play their best game. No, I, I, well, I, I didn't just, play their best game. It's so. just a flat out. No, it's, it's a flat out. No. And, and to go to your point for the penalty minutes, Tampa Bay is too smart for that. They've been there, done that. They they aren't going to get sucked into that. I, I know Maroon fought Wayne Simmons. By the way, Pat Maroon could be the worst worst fighter in NHL history. <laughs> and I'm not going to fault him for it. He fights out of his weight class all the time when he's fighting Zidane Ochar and all these other tough guys in the league. Pat Maroon has never been, you know, dis- he's never been a tough, tough guy. He's been thrust in this situation with Tampa Bay because they don't have anybody else. But boy, oh boy. He's just the epically boringest fighter I've ever watched in my whole life. He just gets somebody, he grabs on, and he throws maybe one punch, and then that's it. It's so incredibly boring to watch him fight. You know what else he's getting? Uh, he's getting kind of torn apart for is is every time he's mic'd up, you hear him, you know, chirping. And he's always chirping about the cups and the cups, and it's like that only goes so far, right? Like you, you got to bring some other ammo to the conversation. Is if his only thing he can say is that I've got three cups is, which is great. Like, it's amazing. No one can take that away from you, but like you need, you need some new material, man. I don't know. I, <laughs> that's a pretty strong argument. Like you just throw up three, three fingers for three rings. I'm like, I, I would milk that until the day I retire. That's, and he could get another one this year, like four in a row. That's, it's pretty impressive. Like he, he's managed to kind of tie his, hitch his cart to the best horse, which has been Tampa Bay, and he snuck one in with St. Louis. So good for him. I just, I, I think we'll wrap this up. In my opinion, this could be a potential death blow for Toronto in the playoffs. It really could be. I, I think this sends the message to Toronto that you can't win this series. And going into game one, it will be in Toronto. Tampa Bay is going to have so much confidence going into that game. Toronto will have this game in the back of their mind. And they know it's like, okay, we have to face this power play. They went five for six. Going five for six in the NHL on the power play is unheard of. It's absolutely unheard of. So, boy, oh boy. Back to the drawing board for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I don't know what else they can do. You can add Austin Matthews. He's not going to improve your defense. You might score a few more goals. He's not going to improve the penalty kill. He's not going to improve the the grit, the determination, the drive of this team. It it, it was a big game. For, for as much as the press in Toronto, for as much as Sheldon Keefe will downplay this, for as much as the players were like, you know what, we're going to face him in the playoffs. We've had good results throughout the year versus Tampa Bay. This was a statement game. This was a litmus test. This was a chance for Toronto to say, you know what? We are better than you this year. We have made improvements. We've learned from our past mistakes. But instead, they went to Tampa Bay, and it was the same old, same old. 
It was the same old Toronto Maple Leafs that we know and love. They compete for the first period when things get tough, when you have to make that tough decision, whether, you know what, maybe I should have dumped the puck in if I'm Mitch Marner and I'm on the PK instead of trying to do something and, you know, make a play. But instead, he gets back-checked. He feels a little pressure. He falls down, try to... Steven can't stamp coast picks up the puck and they're going the other way that happened time and time again in this game where they they were trying to create too much offense and Tampa Bay is so good at transitioning once their forwards know that they're going to get the puck they're gone the other way they're absolutely blasting up the ice they're getting two on ones they're getting three on twos Corey Perry should have had three four goals he had so many chances in close where he gets the puck and he just didn't finish if Corey Perry could somehow finish some of those goals, there could have been 10, 11 goals this game. They had so many good chances in the second and third because Toronto was pressing, Toronto was pushing, and you can't do that versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Their defense is too good, and if you get a chance, as soon as their defensemen get the puck, their forwards are programmed to get up the ice. Kucherov's gone. Killoran's gone. Everybody's gone. And if you give them a two-on-one, a three-on-two, they're going to finish. They're too, they're too good. Tampa Bay is too good. They're too deep. I was looking at the depth of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's what won, that's what won them the Stanley Cup the last two years, right? Yes, Stamkos and Point and Kalorn and Kucherov. These guys are good. Pilat's good. Their depth. Anthony Sorelli's got 16. Corey Perry's got 17. Pat Maroon, for Pete's sake, has got 10. Pilat's got 17. Ross Colton's got 21. Their depth is really, really good this year. And everybody said that was going to be their Achilles heel. Oh, they lost all these guys. Don't look now. They got a deep team again. Everybody can score. And I'm not saying Toronto doesn't. Toronto has incredible depth too. When you look at their, like Spez has got 11, Camp's got 11, Kerfoot's got 13, Kasha's got 14, Engvall's got 14. Like they, they also have depth. Which depth do you like more, Tim? Do you like Tampa Bay's lineup? Or you like Toronto's lineup? They're they're very similar teams. They're very Tampa. similar, but Tampa, top to bottom, yeah. Toronto's strength is their forwards, right? Don't that that's it. That's what they hang their hat on. They're going to outscore you. They're going to skate by you. Their defense is okay. Their goaltending is lacking. Tampa Bay is better at every aspect than Toronto. Their forwards, in my opinion, are better. Their defense is light years better than Toronto's, and their goaltender, it's not even a it's not even a comparison. Vasilevsky arguably is the best goaltender in the last six years in the NHL. He he is lights out better. What aspect of this matchup does Toronto win? Maybe they have a better first line. Maybe. Like I, I just don't know how if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan and you're sitting there looking at the standings and you're sitting there looking at the playoff matchup and you just go how did we end up here? We have 108 points. We're probably going to end up with 112, 114, and we're going to be gone in the first round of the playoffs. It's, it has to be sobering. It has to be depressing. And then it begs the question, what, what do we have to do? Like, what do we have to do to get out of the first round? It, 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 it has to be just completely defeating. If you're the GM, if you're the head coach, because you do all the right things, you bring in all the right players it's not like they just meet up with Tampa Bay and Boston in the first round every single year and they can't just slay that dragon. How much of it is a factor of circumstance? Like how much, if they played Carolina in the first round, do you like them? You like Toronto? I like Toronto versus anybody in the Eastern conference, except for Tampa Bay. Even Florida, even Florida. I, I would give them a better chance versus Florida than I would versus Tampa Bay. They match up terribly with Tampa Bay. 
They play a very similar game style. They try to go out there. They try to do puck control and they try to beat you with skill. Tampa Bay is better at every facet of that game. They have a better power play. They have a better forecheck. They control the puck more. Their defensemen get up in the rush better than Toronto's does. And they don't have as many mental breakdowns and lapses as Toronto does. Tampa Bay's been there before. They have the experience. And I know we're kind of doing a playoff preview and we'll do this more, you know, next week, but boy, oh boy, it must be so depressing to be a Toronto fan because it's like, this was our year. Last year was our year. The year before was our year. At what point do you have to just go, we got to, we got to do something different. I, I don't know if you can, but it's not looking good based on last night's result. Eight to one, Tim. That's the most goals Toronto's given up all year. That, that's, a, that's a big number. That's a very big number. So I just don't see – maybe they can squeak out one game, two games. This is Tampa series. They, they have the experience. And the good thing about Tampa Bay is, yes, they have you know the, the, their core. Their core that has been there, they've won Stanley Cups, Stamkos and Point and Kalorn and Kucherov and Hedman and Palat. They continue to bring guys in who add that hunger level. You know what I mean? So they don't get complacent. So you bring in Paul, you bring in Perry, you bring in Hagel, you got Bogosian back. You bring in these young guys who are excited, and then they get the veterans excited. They get everybody else excited, and, and nobody gets complacent. And you see that on teams. I saw it in Chicago when I was there. They just won the Stanley Cup. I showed up. They they kind of were resting on their laurels a little bit. We started the season sluggish because I think everybody was just like, oh, we're expecting to be good again. We have the same cast and character to come back. We will succeed. And we struggled. And the same thing happened when I was in San Jose. They had made, I think, the Western Conference Finals. They lost to L.A. It was, it was heartbreaking. They, they were up 3 nothing. L.A. came back and won in Game 7. But they're like, you know what? We're going to get there again. We're going to get there again. Next thing you know, we missed the playoffs because I think the – you just rest on your laurels. And I love what Tampa Bay does. Maybe it's not by design. It's because you have to continue to reshuffle the deck, but they have these guys who, who are starving. I know you love saying that Tim, they're hungry, new guys who jump in the mix and the, and they want to have what Sam coast and point and Kalorn and Kucherov and Hedman and Palat have and Sorelli. So it's just cool to see that. They still hound the puck. They still get after it. And that's what you want to see out of your top guys. That's what you want to see out of your third and fourth line guys, especially who knows if Barkley Gaudreau or Yanni Gord or Blake Coleman would be as hungry. You know what I mean? Was, would be as excited to go out there and block a shot to, to finish every single check after they had two Stanley Cup rings on their hand and they got a big contract. Maybe they wouldn't be as apt to do that. You're darn sure Nick Paul's going to do that. Brandon Hagel's going to do that. These guys they brought in are going to do that because they want that success. They want to get after the puck, and that's why Tampa Bay is a good team, Tim. Last night, I watched that game. I was watching it like a hawk. I, I, I was very interested to see how it was going to go. I expected Toronto to show up and, and really just slay that dragon and to just really take that next step. And then the second period happened, and it was just... We'll, we'll move on, but it, it was very – do you have anything else to say on this topic? Because I, I think this this was a big game. It was a big, big game mentally in the standings. All around it was a big game, and Tampa was just dynamite. I don't have anything else to say. I'm just curious, like, what do you think? Obviously, that's pretty demoralizing victory or loss, I guess, for the Leafs last night. What is Matthews? What's running through his head? Is he thinking, oh, if I'm out there, I'm going to make a difference. We win this game. It's closer. Or is he like, oh, crap, we uh, we got our work cut out for us? 
And he's like, oh, crap. Yeah, he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, what? Am I this valuable to this team? Like, does he think he can come out and all of a sudden the seven-goal differential is going to be gone? Yes, it will be closer because he's a great hockey player. Maybe it's eight to three, eight to four, seven to three, seven to four. It was eight to one. One player can't come in and change that differential. That's massive. Maybe Toronto's power plays penalty kill, excuse me, is a little better. You can't go five for six. You can't do it. Special teams are so big in the playoffs. You won't get six power plays in the playoffs because the refs tighten it up a little bit. But usually, whoever wins a special teams battle in a series wins the game, wins the series. And if you go 83% on the power play in the last time you play this team in the regular season, you're feeling good if you're Tampa Bay's power play. They're so incredibly good. It was just a treat to watch them. Just ripped the puck around. Hedman's backhand pass. He fumbled the puck. Kucherov went to him. I think it was their sixth or seventh goal. I don't know if you saw it. He gets the puck. He's the quarterback. He's obviously at the top of the little triangle that they do there. He he fumbles it, and he's getting pressured from the Toronto defense, or forward, excuse me. Backhand pass, cross ice, right on Stamkos' tape. It was incredible. It was an incredible pass by Hedman. Stamkos throws it in front, and I think, Sorelli or Colton or, or whoever it was, Kalorn went off his skate or a stick. He tipped it into a, a gaping wide open net, but it's a good power play. And Toronto has a good power play too. Don't get me wrong. And they, they, they tried to put Nylander in Austin Matthews spot. It worked okay, but Nylander and Nylander, man, it's just having that, that it factor. Nylander doesn't have it. He doesn't get it. So do you think uh, is Tampa now the best team in your eyes in the East or is it still Florida? Well, Florida. I think of Tampa and Florida play, Florida wins. You do? I like Florida Panthers. Like we talk about depth, we talk about top to bottom. I think if Aaron Eckblad is back, I think Florida has a better decor, which is it's very close. Very, very close. I think Florida has more depth up front. I, I really do. As Crazy as that sounds, because Tampa Bay is so incredibly deep and strong, and they've been there, done that. We'll get. Let's get to Florida right now because what they're doing is absolutely incredible. What records are they setting this year, Tim? Because to set records in the NHL offensively is unheard of in today's hockey. It's absolutely unheard of post salary cap. It's absolutely unheard of post trap butterfly style goaltenders. The defensive systems that people mock up nowadays nobody's pinching everybody plays very very safe hockey to be able to set nhl records offensively in this era is very very hard to do so what is florida doing tim that's it's astonishing so florida who won their 12th one two game in a row last night um beat detroit five to two they scored the 320th non-shootout goal which broke the record set a few years ago by Tampa Bay as the most goals in a single season in the post salary and the salary cap era. That's an average of 4.18 games per game, which is the most in 95, 96 when the Penguins had Lemieux and Yager. And like you said, like goalies back then weren't doing what they're doing now. Defense wasn't doing what they're doing now. The systems were different. They're put, people are putting up silly numbers and Florida's doing it now in the modern era, which is even more, more impressive. And they still, like they can still play lockdown D they still have a, a great goalie tandem, but not just like they're scoring, like the Oilers can score. And then they have all these other issues. Florida is really well-rounded top to bottom. Like you said, they still, they're still probably the team to beat in the East. 
probably they are absolutely the team to beat in the East. They 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 have no weakness whatsoever. Goaltending potentially is the only question mark, but they have the luxury of Bob doesn't work. Spencer Knight's been pretty darn good. Friend of the show, Spencer Knight. Tommy, all kinds of new words. They have the luxury of having him backing up Sergei Bobrovsky. So they're, I think they'll be fine. They don't need a goaltender to go out and steal games. When you can throw down four goals a game, Tim, you shouldn't lose anything. It's crazy. You should not lose anything. Like that's absolutely insane. When you're in the same rarefied air and you're being compared to the 95, 96 Pittsburgh Penguins, we're talking, like you said, Lemieux, Yager, Eddie Olchuk, Martin Straka. I think Ronnie Francis was there. You, You like that was like went down as possibly one of the best teams in NHL history. The 95, 96 Pittsburgh Penguins. They were absolutely incredible. Robert Lang, I think, was on that team. They they were incredible. And now you're comparing the 2021-22 Florida Panthers to that team. And it's not like they have a Yager. It's not like they have a Lemieux. They have a well-rounded team that just goes out there and gets after it. And they know how to put the puck in the net. Who knew Sam Reinhart was going to fit in so well on this team? Who knew that getting Claude Giroux was going to work seamlessly with Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair? Anthony Duclair, player, Ottawa didn't want to pay him. You know, took a gamble on himself. Now look at him. He's on the highest scoring offense in NHL history post-salary cap era. Mason Marchment coming out of nowhere. Like Jumbo Joe has played every other game. Maybe he's fit in well on the fourth line. He has embraced his role as kind of a, you know, maybe a piece we're going to use here and there, but not every single game. They... They're the team to beat Tim. Ben Sherratt filling in admirably for Aaron Ekblad on the first line. Who's they back. have such a good He's team. coming back, by the way. Ekblad's back like oh, yeah, game. Yeah. He, he'll, he'll be back for the playoffs. That's what the ex- expectation was. So to throw him on the back end when you got Sherratt, you got Uyghur, you got Montour, you got Forsling, you got Radko Gudis, who everybody hates. And he's just been playing. He's been putting up a decent amount of points this year, too. You're going to bump Lucas Carlson down to their seventh spot. Yes, they are the best team in the East. They are the best team in the NHL. I don't know how they're going to react to the playoffs. That's the only unknown. They're a good regular season team. Who knows what's going to happen when they hit the playoffs, when you play the same team four, five, six, seven times in a row, when Barkov's going to get ran consistently every single game, when you're going to have to fight through checks, when Jonathan Huberto, he's going to be targeted. So we'll see how that that stands out. Because right now, yes, their first round matchup is Washington easy, yeah, but still, there there won't be an upset in Washington. The second round is where they're going to have to pay the piper. Is where we're going to see how Florida really is. Are they the team that we think they are? That's when they're going to have to really prove their worth. When they're going to play a Tampa Bay, when they're going to play a Carolina, when they're going to play a Pittsburgh or a New York Rangers. The, the second round of the the first round of the East is going to be very fun. Don't get me wrong. The second round of the East will be two potential Stanley Cup matchups. Two teams that could rightfully be in the Stanley Cups. And it'll be a second round matchup in the Eastern Conference. It'll be the Rangers, Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida. That's insane. All of these teams will finish the regular season with 110, 112, 114 points. That's crazy. That's absolutely mind-boggling that a team that has 114 points is playing another team that has 118 points in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. 
it's going to, it will be great. It will be absolutely great. Florida is, they haven't been shut out this year. They don't get shut. They don't get shut out this day and age. This year's NHL where teams value defense, where teams box it in. They don't give up grade A chances when teams just force you to the outside. When they play the Florida Panthers, they don't want to be embarrassed. They have not been shut out. They average 4.14 goals a game. It's insane, Tim. It's absolutely insane. I, I can't state it more. This will be hard to, to duplicate. This is a team that's doing amazing things. It's, 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 I love it. You know what else I love? DoorDash. I love some food. I, I, I went to Ann Arbor this past um, week. I was down there. That's why we didn't have a Wednesday show. I was doing a talk to a school down there and then a business group because the businesses want to know what to do. And I'm a businessman. I'm in a business, man. And I had dinner and it was terrible at the business place. And I was like, I need some food. So bing bong, DoorDash it up. Just chowing down food because of DoorDash. And I used my promo code. I got free delivery. I got 25% off. It was fantastic. Because I was in Ann Arbor, I used my promo code GLOVESDDUS. Worked perfectly. If I were to be in Toronto, I, I would use my promo code GLOVESDD. That's what you do. You can order anything from any city pretty much in the whole entire world. DoorDash is everywhere. I know we have fans all over the world. Australia, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bali, Sweden. We're worldwide. 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 Wide, wide, wide. You can use DoorDash in all those countries. Check it out. Fire it up. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the U.S. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Not sure about Australia. I'll be completely frank. Don't know what the promo codes. Try both of them. One of them should stick. You get 25% off. You get free delivery. It's a win-win for everybody involved. So check it out. It helps us out. It helps you guys out. DoorDash. Let me, I, uh, over the weekend, I, I pulled a muscle. Like, no big deal. I just tweeted it out. I was like, oh, I just pulled a muscle. So annoying. One of the, um, the listeners or followers of the show tweeted at me and said, Tim, you know what's good for a pulled muscle? DoorDash. When I can't move my neck, I just pull up DoorDash to bring food right to me. <laughs> it was so good. I, I could hear your voice saying it. Uh, he got a good chuckle out of me. It's fine. Like I, and I know it's just an ad read or whatever, and they pay us to say it, but DoorDash is good. I'm telling you right now, we don't pair up with companies. Well, we did with FanDuel. That was a terrible fantasy site. Fan I tracks. apologize. Fantrax. Yeah, that was bad. That was, uh, that wasn't great. I signed up for Fantrax. And it was like a one month sing thing where they tested us out and stuff. And I was like, yeah, fan tracks is great. I signed up. I was like, this sucks. And I just never went back because it was so hard to navigate. You know what I mean? Maybe you liked it. I, I didn't like it. I didn't stick around that long. I'm like, if I don't get it right away, see you, see you later. And you know what I mean? I did stick around, but yeah, it's not my fan. Not my favorite. I don't think we'll go back there. I mean, I'm a ESP unless they throw a bundle of money at us and we'll go back. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a horror, but I, 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 I do have standards and DoorDash is the best. So that's why we use DoorDash. All right. What else are we going to talk about, Tim? I know you got a hard out in 15 minutes. You got your busy guy. We've been talking for a long time. Should we talk about what Blake Wheeler said? Should we maybe just what to watch for in the final week of the season? Do some quick hits. What are we doing, Tim? A little bit of everything. I want to touch on, yeah, what to watch for. We have about five or six games left, depending on your team, who you're watching, maybe four games. Um, there's a couple of things to, to really keep an eye on in the East. Uh, we, we know who the eight teams are going to be, obviously, but the two real races. The first is in the Metro for first place. Carolina and the Rangers are tied in points, 
So that's the winner of that is going to be, you know, we'll we'll win the division. That's a close one to watch because that's going to matter who they play in the first round, which is between the second race in the East Pittsburgh and Washington. They're racing. They're also tied for third in the Metro and the loser of that race has to play Florida, which no one wants to do. So that's really a close one to keep an eye on. In the West, there's a couple of interesting things happening as well. We talked about, you know, really the, the wild card being locked up and, and it was coming down to that third spot in the Pacific, but that's not really the case anymore. Dallas has lost three games in a row. They're slipping. They're not looking good. Vegas, I think, is only one point behind them. They had a big win over the, the Caps the other night. They're very much in the hunt right now. Meanwhile, Kings have won three in a row. So they've locked down. I wouldn't say locked down officially, but they're they're feeling pretty good about locking down that that third Pacific spot. So I think it is now between Dallas and Vegas, probably in that third spot. And statistically, it's Dallas is still spot to lose, but I think that's where the interesting thing to watch over the next couple of days will be. I agree. Dallas Stars is it's such a frustrating team to watch because some nights they're very good. They're very competitive. They go out there and they play Dallas Stars style hockey where they are very responsible. They lock you down. They they get a couple power play chances. They score one or two in the power play and they win the game. That's that's a Dallas Star game when when you win three to one. They're not going to blow you out, but they're not going to give up many goals. I, I don't know what to make of this team. I think selfishly, I like Joe Pavelski. I, I want him to make the playoffs. He's a friend of the show, but it would be more fun if Vegas got in. It really would. If I'm Colorado. I'm watching this race. I'm watching it very closely because do you want to see opening night of the playoffs, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Robin Leonard, Peter Angelo, Shea Theodore, Owen Jack Eichel. Do you want to see those guys step on the ice in the first round of the playoffs? And you're just like, man, we just won the president's trophy. And now we got to face this team. And if you add up all their salary, it's um, $180 million. So it, they're watching this race. They, they are watching this race like a hawk. Nobody else cares because Minnesota-St. Louis is locked in. They're going to be a tremendous series. This is where I think someone would throw a game. If Dallas does play Colorado, which I don't know if they do. I know Dallas just saw us last night. They finish up with Seattle. Then they get Vegas. Then they get Arizona. Then they get Anaheim. So technically Dallas plays four teams outside of the playoff pitcher looking in. So they should beat Seattle tonight. That game on Tuesday versus the Vegas Golden Knights will be a very, very big game. And then they get a cakewalk versus Arizona and Anaheim will be already having their bags packed. So Dallas should make the playoffs, but gosh, if the Vegas Golden Knights can somehow sneak in, that's going to be fantastic, but I, I just don't see it happening. I think what we're going to see is things are going to hold fast right now. Vegas does have to play St. Louis the last game of the year. St. Louis will be playing for something. They have to get home ice advantage versus Minnesota because that that series will be a drag out, knockdown fist fight, and you want home ice advantage for something like that. So LA's been playing well. They've they've won the games that they're supposed to win. Edmonton was our the weakest schedule of all time. They they have to get in. Da- Dallas is frustrating. You want them to win that game. It's going to be Dallas and Vegas could be the decider. It'll be a four point game, but a very 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 fun to watch. Interesting quote from Blake Wheeler. You just mentioned so the Jets are one of those teams that should be good, right? They're they're really good on paper. They're really strong. They've been a playoff team for several years now, and I think most of us would have picked the Jets to to at least have a wild card spot at the beginning of the season, and they're just out of it. 
they're 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 not having a great year. Uh, Hellebuck has probably had his worst season in four or five years now. He's went from being a Vezina candidate to a guy who's letting in three four goals a game. Um, interesting quote from Blake from Blake Wheeler last night or the other night. I'm going to read this quote here. Quote, this is the best part of the year to be a hockey player, except when you're in our shoes, then it's the worst. It's really disappointing. It's hard to put into words the feeling, and you know what it feels like. It just feels like we're back to square one. We built so long to get to a championship level, and sitting here is pretty deflating. Not really mincing words there. What do you, what do you make of that quote? He, he's frustrated. He's been in this situation for a decade in Winnipeg. I mean, like they, They've always gone into the season with sky-high expectations. Like he, he's absolutely right. He's, he started in Winnipeg when the team became a team in 2011, 2012, every single year they were expected to make the playoffs. They've had years when they had Stanley cup aspirations and every single year they flame out. I think they've only made the playoffs five of the 10 years that he's been there. It has to be frustrating. And the frustrating part is when you look at this, the makeup of this team, they have the fifth highest salary in the NHL. So it's not like they're not spending, they're not trying to win. When you look at the contracts they have, how do you change this? How do you change this core team unless you move a Blake Wheeler? Unless you move a Kyle Connor? Kyle Connor's having an MVP, not an MVP type season, but a very high end all star type season. You're not going to want to move him for when he's making seven million bucks. Mark Shifley had a down year. You don't you don't want to move him. He only makes six million dollars. So what do you do? What do you do if you're the Winnipeg Jets? You can't do anything. Their defense, which they've invested so much money in, they got Joshua Morrissey, Nate Schmidt, Neil Pionk, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello. These guys make almost $30 million. That's a high salary for a defense in the NHL these days. You're not going to be able to move any of them. So it's frustrating. You're the captain of the team. You want to win. And the frustrating part is things are not going to change. They won't. There's no way they can change. Yes, maybe you can draft somebody, bring someone in who, who's maybe going to have a great year. It's sad. Well, Winnipeg's locked into this future for the next three, four years. Because you got Stasny's com- contract coming off the books, which frees up almost $4 million. But you also have Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's going to be a, an RFA, and he's going to want a payday, right? Like, What do you think he's going to be asking for? And does he even stay in Winnipeg? Well, he's an RFA, so he will stay in Winnipeg. They gave up – they traded him for Patrick Laine, so you have yeah. to keep him. They they invested so much to get him, and he has had a decent year. He hasn't been the guy that he was in Columbus when he first broke into the season – into the into the NHL when he was getting almost a point per game in his second season. He's having a bounce back year. He's got 58 and 77, but I think he's making $5 million now. I think that's a good number for him. But yes, he's going to want more. He's going to want to, you know, get a contract for his future. What what his futures are going to look like? But I, I think if you're Winnipeg and you can get him for five million dollars, that's so high for him. I don't know. They're they're in a tough situation. I don't like the way they're built. I don't like their future in Winnipeg. I don't even like Blake Wheeler anymore. Like he he's past his prime. He's been in the NHL for 12, 13 years now. He's thirty five years old. He's making eight point two five for the next two seasons. He's going to be 37 when this when this contract runs out. Like he's not the same guy he was when he was 25. So it's frustrating. But that's what happens in the NHL. You 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 shoot your shot, you sign your guys. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You run into a team that just is better than you. And that's what Winnipeg did year in and year out. They ran into St. Louis, they ran into Chicago, they ran into other teams in the West who were just better. So it's you want to win. You're Blake Wheeler, the guy is a pretty honest guy in interviews. He he lets you know how he's feeling and it sucks, but 
hey, sorry, man. That's the way the cookie crumbles. You're not going to win. So let's wrap up with some quick hits. You mentioned it already. Steven Stamkos broke the record last night. It feels like it's a season of broken records, franchise records, guys having career years. Yeah. Because we had the, the Predators record was broken a few weeks ago. We had the Huberto broke the Florida record. Caprizov broke the Minnesota record. Stamkos now, those are single season records. But Stamkos is the all-time leading scorer in Tampa Bay franchise history, which is really cool. Beat Martin St. Louis. And, um, it's not Martin, know, it's Martin. Martin. I'm surprised that hadn't already uh, happened. I would have thought that he was a points guy already, but good for or him. Even Vinny, or even Vinny LeCavier. Yeah, he but he didn't play as long, though. How and, long was Martin there? I don't, I don't know. even know. I thought Vinny was there longer, but yeah, good for Steven. He deserves it. He's the face of that franchise. He, he's been that, that franchise for 12, 15 years now. So good for him. He's a good dude. I was actually chopping up with someone the other day about what we were talking about the Leafs. I don't want to bag on the Leafs and why, why they never get good players. I'm like, cause no one wants to play in Toronto. Why would you want to play in Toronto when you can go to Tampa Bay, get no state tax, no, no notoriety. You don't get noticed on the, on the sidewalks walking around. You can live a normal night life. And it's just a better way of living. You can be in the sun all day, every day, not have to worry about Toronto traffic and all that junk. So there's there's the fruits of that argument. Steven Stamkos grew up in Markham, just outside of Toronto. Everybody wanted to go there, worked out with Gary Roberts, who begged him to go to Toronto, stayed in Tampa Bay, won two Stanley Cups, about to win a third, having an absolutely great career. They're going to go down in the first ballot Hall of Famer. Good for, good for Steven. Great job, Steven. What else? Uh, interesting news from Mark Andre Fleury. His agent tweeted out a, a report the other day that he's going to play for at least one more season, um, which is exciting. I, I think you know everyone's looking at Toronto as a destination for him. What do you make of this news? Where do you see him ending up? Well, he's 37 years old. He was the Vezina Trophy winner last year. He's currently a backup in Minnesota, so it's not like he's getting worn down. He's still got a lot of good hockey. He left in him. I, I think he should come back. Why? Why would you not? I don't know. He, he's he's going to get to pick his spot, right? Do you go to Edmonton? May try to resurrect that organization. Do you go to Toronto and be a hero, be an absolute hero if you go to Toronto, win a Stanley Cup? Mike Babcock tried to do it. John Tavares tried to do it. Joe Thornton tried to do it. Patrick Marlowe tried to do it. Jason Spezza tried to do it. Maybe Mark Andre Fleury can be the guy and just be an absolute hero in Toronto for years to come. So. I would love it if he went to Toronto. It would be great for us to talk about because then, then you have no excuses at all. Like you have Marc-Andre Fleury. Like then there's no excuses. Now I know what Toronto's going to say. Well, we had Jack Campbell. We should have picked someone up. That's why we didn't lose. Or that's why we didn't win. But I'm glad he's coming back. Good goaltender. We mentioned the uh, career highs. Matt Duchesne scored his 40th goal of the season the other night, which is the career high for him, which is previously 30. Quite a big leap there. Good for him. I and I think the Predators – yeah, yeah, he's a. I always liked him. I think he's a good player. Nashville, not so quietly. All of a sudden, people are starting to pay attention to Nashville. Fleet Forsberg having a good year. Ryan Johansson having sort of a bounce back year. I love the most fights in the league. Nashville, most penalty minutes. Tanner Tanner Janelle. He's one to watch. Tim, I like him. Mark Borowicki, oof, tough as they come. He has a face that would scare your daughter. Mark Borowicki, that guy's got a scary face. I love to have him on the show. I bet he's got some stories. Oh, friend of the show to be in, in the making. I would love that too. And finally, we're up with some sad news. Hockey has lost uh, another legend. Guy Lafleur passed away last night at the age of 70. Um, rest in peace, Guy. Yeah. Um, what can you say? There's been a lot of deaths lately surrounding hockey. So sad to see him go. Hopefully he's in a better place. All right. Points bet, Tim. Let's, let's end this week on a high note. 
on a Dan high notes, we got a couple big games, a couple playoff altering games. We got the Wild and the Kraken, the Senators and the Blue Jackets. Oh, so many matchups the Capitals, the Coyotes, the Avalanche, and the Oilers. Who do we got? Let's do them all, Tim. Okay. Well, there's really only one interesting game tonight. So, uh, Senators and Blue Jackets don't really care. I'm going to go with Blue Jackets. What do you think? I, the Senators have been playing good of late. They, they, I think they, who'd they beat the other night? And I was like, ah, the Senators. I'm taking the Senators. They, the young kids, they have something to play for. I, I feel like they're, they're, they're raring to go. They've been in this mode for three months now where games don't mean anything, but they're still trying. The Blue Jackets, I think, are just disappointed. They're just sad they didn't make the playoffs. So I think the Senators are going to have a little more jump in their, uh, in their game. Kraken in Minnesota, wild. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Hands down, Minnesota wild. Okay. Uh, Capitals against the Coyotes. Capitals, hands down, right? Oh, stop. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Capitals. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's the fun game. The Avalanche and Oilers. And actually, points bet has this as a pretty close game. Oilers are, are obviously underdogs, but only plus 100. So it's it's uh, it's not a blowout like some of the others. Oilers have won three in a row. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, the Oilers have been playing well of late. I think their last 10, what are they, like 8-0-1 or 8-1-1? They've been playing really good hockey. How do you bet against Colorado? How do you do it? They've lost two in a row, so I feel like they would want to get their game together before playoffs. I'm taking Colorado just because of the – they could potentially face the Oilers in the playoffs. This is a statement game, much like Toronto and Tampa Bay was. And I know Colorado will want to go out and just, you know, assert their dominance. So I'm taking Colorado by a big margin in this one. Agreed. Agreed. I'm good with that. All right. We'll check it out. Throw your money down, everybody. Win yourself some Doray Me. We'll catch you next week. We'll do a couple of playoff breakdowns and uh, just dig into the playoffs. It'll be, it'll be fantastic. I hope everybody has a good week. Get out there, make a difference. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.